Hello, everyone. This is Premier Chess CEO, National Master Evan Rabin, and I'm very excited to be here on the 171st edition of the Premier Chess Podcast with a very special guest, uh, my good friend and colleague, Michael Chadwick, who is a licensed real estate salesperson with the Corcoran Group here in New York City. And it's my sincere pleasure to have him on. How's everything going, Mike? It's going great, Evan. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. So I met Mike actually about four years ago now, time flies, uh, through a Shabbat dinner. Actually, I believe it was uh, a Rosh Hashanah uh, dinner, actually, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. But it's before Rosh Hashanah again. And, and it's Rosh Hashanah. So things are, you know, just meant to, meant to be. Um, of course, yes, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year is actually coming up. Uh, just after this weekend. So wishing everyone a, a, a Shana Tova, Happy New Year. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, we met through, uh, essentially through Steve Eisenberg, the founder of JICNY. Although to be fair, like who didn't we meet through Steve? <laughs> Not a lot of people. <laughs> Steve Eisenberg. You know, he's, uh, you know, the epitome of a connector. Um, and of course, uh, you know, one of his co-founders of JIC and Y, uh, Jody Samuels, uh, has been on uh, the podcast uh, a couple months ago talking about her book, um, which was absolutely phenomenal, Chutzpah, uh, Wisdom and Wine. I think actually last time I saw Michael in person was, uh, you know, at her uh, New York book release. So everything sort of, you know, kind of comes together. So um Michael, the first thing I wanted to, you know, actually ask you about um, is you're an actor. Um, you know, you not only are you in real estate sales, you've also been, you know, featured, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, PR. Uh, we'll definitely get into that. But, you know, you've also been, uh, you know, in some ad campaigns for Verizon, other major companies. You've also been part of reality shows. So, you know, Tell us, like, how how did you get into, you know, real estate, uh, you know, from being an actor? And why do you think there are so many actors, actually, that are in real estate? Well, it's a really interesting question. And there's that running joke, you know, uh, two old cockers are in Boca. One says to the other, hey, my grandson's in New York. He's going to be a movie star. <laughs> and the other one says, that's great. What real estate brokers does he work in? <laughs> I did not hear that joke, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, real estate offers flexibility. And, you know, the reason that many uh, actors and aspiring actors work in food service is because they need a flexible schedule for auditions. But I thought mm. to myself, well, I, I want flexibility, but I also need a financial future. And, you know, you know, it's, um, there's not much of a future in, in waiting tables. I mean, even if you worked in a really nice restaurant, I mean, the hours that are required are, is just insane. And the hours aren't as flexible as you might think. So I was... Mm. Um, was really struggling financially uh, when I first moved to New York. I didn't did not come from money, and um, you know I paid for college myself. I'm still paying for college, and um, some uh, I had some success modeling when I first moved to New York, but I again wasn't making a living at it. I still was waiting tables and bartending and catering, and I worked for a ton of celebrities. It was so cool coming from a small town in Rochester, New York, and you know meeting Sarah mm -hmm. Jessica Parker and Michael Bay and Barbara Streisand and you know Hugh Jackman. Ah. And, like, big movie stars that you see on TV I actually met in person, you know, as a waiter. Um, but uh, the reality was that the money just wasn't there. So I had some really mm. close friends 
that were very successful models, and then they uh, they invested in real estate, and they they just said to me, hey, you know, you know, we were we were lucky, but the a lot of our friends over the years were not, and you know, have you considered real estate? And uh, I decided that I was not going to spend my entire life pursuing a career that had a very low chance of making a living and, you know, be in my eighties and still be waiting tables. So uh, <laughs> I, I went to a Shabbos, I went to actually a Passover Seder uh, up in Westchester with some friends of mine. And um, the host that invited me, his sister was a broker with Scepter 21. So uh, mm -hmm. I started working uh, on her team. And actually let's, it's, it's a backtrack. I actually first started working for this small boutique brokerage in the financial district. And then after three months and, um, I made a mistake and uh, I, I almost rented an apartment and um, well, actually I did successfully rent an apartment, but unfortunately I wasn't paid. I, I thought the building was paying us, but they weren't. So uh, I was then terminated from that brokerage <laughs> for, uh, mm. for a mess that deal. And I remembered that woman that I met at the Passover Seder uh, a few months prior who worked for Center 21. So uh, I started working, uh, I called her up and I told her about what happened and I met with her and then the rest was history. You know, I had my first check within I'd say about a month or so after working with her and then slowly started to build my business you know, between catering and bartending gigs. And uh, I, I went on my own about, uh, I'd say about six months later, um, we had left that small brokerage and went to another brokerage in the city. And then I, I shortly after that started my own team. And within a couple of years of uh, working like a madman, you know, bartending, <laughs> I finally figured out how to do this full time. And I, I quote, I, I passed my last crab cake and I've been full-time in real estate now uh, for over 10 years. Well, props to you. It's definitely exciting. And, uh, you know, look, I would say I've actually had, you know, a little bit of a similar journey, uh, you know, actually, um, you know, I, I worked in corporate America, as you know, I worked at Oracle for, for three years, uh, you know, I was at Rapid7 for a year doing enterprise sales. Um, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I really wanted to do my passion, you know, of, of, of chess. And, um, you know, then I was actually, you know, teaching chess on the side and I was, you know, running another startup, um, you know, that did sales for other startups, um, which, by the way, I was doing when I first met you, actually, um, in 2016. And, um, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, uh, you know, like now, like, look, we're both doing what we love and you know, making a living at it. And yeah, I just noticed that there are so many, uh, you know, actors actually in real estate. Uh, by the way, there's actually, you know, a fair amount of actors, uh, you know, who are chess teachers uh, as well. <laughs> actually, um, you know, the, one of our, uh, you know, fellow chess companies out there, Chess at 3 actually, they, uh, you know, for the most part will, uh, you know, hire actors and, and, and call them storytellers. In fact, that's literally their, their title. Um, right. Oh, so sure. they are so many different types of uh, entrepreneurs that are also actors and people think that, you know, if you want to be an actor that you have to wait tables and bartend. And I think that, you know, I thought about writing a book called the actorpreneurs, you know, just to kind of go over all the different actors in their interesting professions that are self-employed that help them to have the flexibility they need, but still make, uh, make a living. It's really interesting. So one, one person I'm pretty sure you, you probably know, um, Jakob Dermer. You know him? I do. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, um, actually, I might be misremembering his last name right now. I'll have to check. But he's actually, uh, you know, an actor who actually became a real estate. Uh, no, he, he never got into real estate. He's an actor uh, who actually started um, 
becoming a data scientist uh, and a little bit of a software engineer. And now he's actually working on this like software for like the Broadway industry and like predicting prices and things. It's, it's actually really fascinating. Um, I, I actually met him through JIC and Y as well. So I thought maybe, uh, you know, might've met at some point, but um, anyway, it's just really cool to see, uh, yeah, like actors, uh, you know, stepping out and, uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, different things, uh, you know, as a means of income, but of course, you know, as, as a means of life, you know, so um, that actually, you know, you, you mentioned, and, and yeah, but I think when I met you, you were, you know, at Bond, um, and then, uh, you know, actually after that, uh, for a while, you were at City Habitats, I remember when you made that transition, um, and then, you know, relatively recently, you, you transitioned into Corcoran, uh, you know, with your team. Um, so that's actually one thing that I was, you know, curious about as well. Maybe it's just me, uh, but I personally see in real estate, residential real estate in particular, brokers switch around a lot, uh, you know, between firms. Um, is there a reason, like, 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 why, why, why do you think, or at least for yourself, um, like, like, what, what, why hop around firms? That's an interesting question. Um, I personally had never been one that hopped around. Um, when I first got in the business, I didn't know any better, you know. And uh, I, you know, when I, I was at Century Twenty One, which was a, a a franchise, and that particular franchise had financial problems and they closed. So I was brand new in the business, and uh, I I just followed my team leader to Bond because um, that they said we're going to Bond, and I said okay. And Bond was fantastic. I learned so much. I had exceptional training and support, and I, I was you know, but I was there for seven years. So that was a very long time. And um, I got to a point where I, I felt like I was plateauing and uh, city habitats had been on my radar for a long time. Um, they had been trying to recruit me uh, for years. And um, I, I got to the point where I knew all their top leaders. I knew their, uh, their president. I, I knew their um, several managers I'd met with over the years. And um, I have some family in South Africa that are, uh, are fairly successful. And it's the one branch of my family that's uh, just completely different than the rest of my family. Um, and they're, they're amazing, they're so humble, um, but they're, they're very successful. Um, and I have a cousin, Irene, uh, who was a top executive, I think for Suzuki in South Africa. Mm -hmm. and, and now she uh, travels the world playing cards. I mean, she has a phenomenal life. One of her kids is an executive at Discovery. The other one is in the diamond business. And we become very close. And, and she was a big inspiration to me. She says, Michael, if you want to be a better player, you got to play with better players. Think about that. Ah. And uh, what was really interesting about City Habitats is they had, at the time, they had agents, agents that were earning millions of dollars a year. And I had never seen that kind of money at, at Bond. I know Bond had, has done extremely well in their space, but to have agents that are making that kind of money, to be multimillionaires as, as, as agents, that was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so City Habitats, you know, recruited me. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. You know, and uh, I went over there and my first, first year at City Habitats, my income doubled, doubled um, in a year. Um, it, was, it was enormous, uh, the amount of success that I achieved in a very short period of time. And, you know, I'm not saying it was because of them, you know, you know it's a combination of things, but um, to, be, to be in the in, in office with agents that are making that kind of money, there's just, just something about the air that I was breathing and it kind of unleashed something inside of me. And I, I made some very specific changes in my business and you know, did extremely well. So my growth since then has been you know, slow. It has not been as much as it was that first year I came over, um, but definitely had some more successes along the way. 
And um, just before the pandemic, um, I'd been at City Habitats for about three years, and then uh, Corcoran had absorbed City Habitats. So then I, I just came over because you know it was a very seamless transition. It was the same company. We just we just merged. You know, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, Evan, that um, Realogy, the parent company, owned City Habitats in Corcoran. You know, simultaneously, but it wasn't until just before the pandemic when the brands merged. So. Um, and uh, you know now with, with Corcoran, the very top top incremers at City Habitats were the bottom producers at Corcoran. I mean, we're, we're the Corcoran group. It's uh, for to be a realtor and a real estate agent and to be at Corcoran is so exciting because you're in a firm literally where the sky is the limit. They have agents that are you know doing multi 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 million dollars in in sales and in income. And as agents, you know it's. Uh, you know, I, I go to the Hamptons frequently, and you know they got some agents out there that are just as wealthy as you know some of these crazy parties that I go to. It's it's insane. So yeah, and, and it really is cool. I mean, just you know, look, the life of the broker is good. I saw you at a big party in the Hamptons, you know, the other day, which is awesome. And uh, you know, but you know, of course, you know, look, we you know, it's all fun. Um, you know, we, you know, we get to travel, we get to do stuff, you know, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, look, it, it, it's, uh, you know, but look, we're, 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 we're all growing, you know, which is, which, which is awesome. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, look, I, I know for a fact you do actually, you know, a lot of pretty big deals, uh, you know, mostly I think in Manhattan, but, uh, elsewhere, uh, you know, in the city as well. Uh, primarily sales, but also, uh, you know, some rentals. Uh, but can you tell us, uh, you know, a little bit more about your practice and sort of like, you know, the latest and greatest of real estate news in the city? If you had to like sum it up into a minute or two, even though that's probably not too easy to do. Well, there's just so much going on and then it's hard to sum up <laughs> cities in the world in two seconds. Uh, but I'm sure most of you are following the news. Uh, there was recently a townhouse that was in contract in the West Village. Uh, I think it was for over $25 million. It was a record. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, you know, 60% of the workforce was called back to the city. So, you know, you look at the property records, about 300,000 people had their addresses changed towards the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, so that caused a, a big shift in the real estate market. And then all, so then all of a sudden, you know, with... All these employers saying, "Listen, you want to keep getting paid New York City salaries? You got to come back here." That caused hmm. another, um, you know. Yeah, I know. Martin Stanley, uh, you know, said that to all their employees. Yeah, yeah. So it's the market's really hot right now. Um, you know, you know, is a we, we just had tremendous growth over the past year. Wow. Well, look, let 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 you ride the wave. You know, I think last year in the chess world, we kind of raised had something similar, of course, with Queen's Gambit. Um, you know, and, and, and now that, you know, that's, have you happened to see Queen's Gambit, by the way? Um, Absolutely. What, 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 were your, what were your thoughts of the show? Oh, I thought it was outstanding. I absolutely loved it. What, what was your favorite part? What was my favorite part? Um, I loved her facial expressions. And um, I, also, I also loved just the story of how she's learning chess from this janitor. And uh, mm. she's just a prodigy. And, um, you know, I, I love when she was traveling and going to Russia and, you know, just the, I guess the, the vicarious nature of, you know, watching the travel and, and uh, I'm a, I'm a chess uh, fan myself. I learned at an early age, of course, not at her level, but, you know, it's, it's <laughs> really, really entertaining. 
Yeah, so speaking of which, that actually is a perfect transition into my next question. Uh, you know, I know you're, you know, you've been a chess, a, a fan of chess for many years. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you actually came to our office in Midtown Manhattan. We did a little, uh, you know, fun lesson. Um, how would you say, uh, you know, real estate and chess, uh, you know, might have some parallels? Well, if there's one thing that you learn from playing chess, it's the ability to see things in your mind and to think ahead. And mm. uh, you have to see it before you see it. So definitely on the investment standpoint, you know, you, if you're looking to, uh, the, the, basic, the basic premise in investing is you buy low and sell high, right? Um, the problem absolutely. is- I'm sorry? No, I did that, absolutely. Yeah, buy low, sell high. So most buyers in real estate, they want something that's moving ready. Well, the problem with that is you're paying for someone else's taste. And often if you're buying both for yourself and from an investment standpoint, you have to have the ability to kind of envision where's the area going? Um, where's, you know, what could you, what could the space become, you know, with a little nip tuck, with a little, you know, paint here and there, if you were to renovate the place, what could you do to extract the highest and best use. That's a term often in investing where you're trying to figure out what you can do to an asset to reposition it so that when you exit, when you sell, that you get the highest price possible. So um, mm. I think that's an interesting parallel with chess is you're, you're staring across from an opponent and you have to kind of envision different scenarios where, okay, if you move here, what could they do? You know, if you move there, what could they do? And how could you respond? Yeah, and not only that, you know, I think it's a matter of getting the return on investment, right? I was just actually at our summer camp this morning. Uh, we're doing a great chess and table tennis camp with American Youth uh, Table Tennis Association. Oh, and yeah, it, it, it's really cool. Uh, but I was just, you know, giving a short lesson this morning um, about you know, process and thought process. And the biggest thing I said, right, was I was Bill Frangos uh, was there, another national master who teaches for us. And I was like, you know, look, if I'm playing a game against Bill, right, we're not going to make moves just because they're like decent moves, right? We're not going to make them just because they're safe, right? So very often I'll ask a beginner, hey, why'd you make that move? And he was like, oh, well, it was a safe move. Or if he captured me, I would capture him back, right? But the truth is, right, that's kind of a beginner answer because you don't make a move just because it's safe, right? Just in like in real estate, you know, there's, there's a lot of potentially like safe investments, but, you know, you want to go for the one that's going to, you know, give you the biggest bang for the buck. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to, you know, transition. I know, you know, just the other day you were at this fundraiser for... Uh, you know, this great Chabad house in Sac Harbor that's growing up, uh, but you've also been involved with Comedy Cares and some other, uh, you know, great organizations. So uh, can you just talk for a, a minute or two about your, you know, passion for charity and, and, and giving back? Absolutely. So um, uh, I just want to do a shout out for Jean Shafaroff. Uh, she's a, a woman who's a socialite and philanthropist. She wrote a book called Successful Philanthropy. And um, it's, the book is really powerful because it helps you understand that you don't have to be a billionaire to be a philanthropist. Anyone can be a philanthropist. Mm. And giving is not just giving of your money. It could be giving of your time. It could be giving of your contacts. It could be giving someone a hug, you know, a COVID-free hug. Like, there are just so many ways you can, you can be a philanthropist and you can give and you can support 
good charitable works without simply writing a check. You know, and the thing that every nonprofit wants is they want, you know, they want you to give them as much money as possible and they want you to, you know, rally up all your rich friends, but there's just so much more you can do. And, you know, um, you know, personally, I might, I might not have a lot of money at this point in my career that I can give, but I, well, in my contact list, I do, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I look for ways that I can get involved philanthropically, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's important to do what you can do. That's the point. So it's a really good book. You can pick it up. Successful philanthropy. Yeah, and, and, and I will say, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, my rabbi, Levi Welton, who's a dear friend and mentor, uh, you know, he actually relates charity. And this is actually sort of an idea of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, actually, uh, where he actually talked about, you know, a pawn, right? And a pawn is the lowest value piece, but eventually it promotes to become, you know, queen, bishop, rook, or a knight, right? So in a similar vein, actually, uh Levy, he was actually the rabbi at the Hampton Synagogue, and he actually went to this one couple uh, who was a young couple, you know, was trying to fundraise through them. And people literally were like, Levy, you're crazy. There's a bunch of, you know, wealthy, uh, older, you know, established members. These are the ones you should be going, uh, you know, to, you know, ask for money from. But he said, no, what? No, this is a couple. <laughs> and guess what? Uh, you know, it turns out, uh, you know, it's actually Erica Gerson uh, and her husband, Mark Gerson. Uh, Mark is actually the founder of Gerson Lehman Group now. Uh, you know, they're both, you know, very wealthy, actually, and give, uh, you know, thousands of dollars every year to the United Hospital Law. Uh, Mark is actually the founder of the board. Um, and of course, they're, you know, one of Levy's, you know, bigger donors. Uh, over the years, and uh, you know, it's just it's 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 fascinating actually that uh, you know if you give a, a little bit more now, then you're going to give you know a lot more later. Um, right. So actually, I had Andy Stein on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, the founder of Orphan Starfish Foundation. By the way, they're having a very big gala in New York on October 22nd at Cipriani's. Um, for anyone listening, I really highly recommend the event. I'm going to be there. Maybe we'll get Michael Chadwick to be there as well. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, we, we'll, we'll work it out. But, you know, one thing Andy was actually saying, you know, is, yeah, I want those small donors now. That in a couple of years, you know, they can donate $5 now. They can donate $50 next week. And, you know, it goes on. Right before they know it, they're donating, you know, a million a year. So, um, it's a, it's definitely, uh, you know, an interesting aspect. Um, so the last thing I really wanted to ask you about, Mike, I know, you know, for you, um, you know, over the years, I've seen you at, uh, you know, JSDNY events, uh, quite a bit of Manhattan Jewish experience. Uh, of course, we also saw each other recently at the book release party of Rabbi Mark Wilde, uh, who wrote the 40 day challenge. She was actually also on the podcast recently, uh, you know, talking about the book. Um, but the, the, the reason I, I, I bring this up is I, I just wanted to see how has Judaism influenced you, uh, you know, in your career uh, and life in general? That's such an interesting question. Um, I feel like if you were to extract the just if you just were to look at living Jewishly objectively, it, it just makes sense as a business person to be plugged into something. You know, 
when, when you know, if you want to be successful at anything, you want to find someone who is and do what they did. If you, you know, you, you, you look, I look at Judaism, like you look at a, like a forest, you know, if you look at a forest of trees, all those trees are standing because they have roots that are connected underground. And, you know, we're all, you know, living life in pursuing a relationship with Hashem in our own way and trying to understand what it means to live Jewishly in a very postmodern world. And, you know, I know, I know we all have different levels of observancy and, you know, I, I myself am not particularly observant, but, you know, working that out. Um, I think that, you know, being involved in the Jewish community is important because it gives you uh, that underground network of roots. And hmm. the thing about that network is that it's, it's symbiotic. You know, you, you, it's not just one tree that's sucking up all the life from the other trees. It's like, they're all feeding each other. <laughs> Does it make sense? So no, that, 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 that's amazing. And, you know, look, you know, you said like, you know, is it, uh, you know, are, are you religious or that, but I, you know, the, the truth is, uh, Levy Welton's father, uh, childhood rabbi, who uh, I haven't met in person yet, but we are friends on Facebook, uh, Yehuda Ferris, uh, you know, likes to say labels are for shirts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and look, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, especially look when people are dating and becoming friends and you go to synagogue, you know, I, I, I've seen people at Orthodox schools. Uh, saying like, oh, just so you know, I'm not like observant. I'm like, I don't care. You know, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. A yet is a, you know, so it, it, it just, you know, I think, look, wh whether or not, you know, you're, you're following every single, you know, law of, you know, halakha, Jewish law, right? You, you know, it, it, it's a part of you. Uh, you know, um, I was talking to someone recently who, you know, is not particularly observant. Uh, and he said, like, you know, it's basically talking about that, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, he actually told me, yeah, you know what? I do want to actually, you know, date Jewish. I do actually keep, like, some kosher law. I'm like, okay, so you're, you know, more observant than other people or whatever. Uh, right. But anyway, the, the point is, without, you know, getting into a whole another hour podcast episode about Judaism. <laughs> uh, by the way, we've, we've had three rabbis on the podcast, you know, uh, Levy, Mark Wilde. You know, but, um, you know, we, 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 we've done that as well. Um, you know, my, my other rabbi, Mandy Berker, is actually coming on in, in a couple of weeks. So um, we've definitely done that. Oh, and that's right. We, we've had uh, Abram Lotek. I know there was a third rabbi who's been on. I couldn't think of his uh, who it was at, at, at first but um that's what that's what happens when you're at 171 episodes uh you know actually so um you know you, you can't think of everyone on the top of your head but um but yeah I, I do think it's great that you know it's had uh you know an impact uh on you so um anyway um i just wanted to you know really thank you so much for you know taking the time to you know come on uh, you know, talking about why so many actors like yourself have been, uh, you know, entering the real estate scene, uh, how, uh, you know, brokers, uh, you know, could tend to hop around and, uh, you know, talking about some of the latest trends in the New York State, uh, New York City uh, real estate market, uh, your thoughts on the Queen's Gambit, uh, your ability to, you know, think ahead both in chess and real estate. 
um, the art of giving back and charity uh, and talking about, you know, the influence of, of Judaism on your career and, and life. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add while you're on the podcast today? Uh, yeah, two things. I'll, I'll be selling real estate until I get my first Oscar. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so and my, my, my uh, Oscar acceptance speech is probably going to be something like, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce my resignation from real estate. <laughs> great listing in Harlem, by the way, 29 West 138th Street, 2A. If you know anyone looking to buy a two-bedroom, it's only 575. It's an HDFC co-op. Please look it up. 29 West 138th Street, 2A. Shameless plug. Woo! Not at all. That's why, that's why we're here, actually. So if anyone, Mike, is interested uh, in this amazing property in Harlem or would like to, in general, buy, sell, or rent, real estate in New York, how could they get a hold of the great Michael Chadwick? Well, unfortunately, at this stage in my life, I'm extremely stockable. So you literally could just Google my name. <laughs> one, of, one of a billion different ways to reach me will pop up. You text, tweet, post, tag, <laughs> everything. Um, but I, I'm trying to focus on my Instagram. So go to instagram.com slash Michael B. Chadwick and follow me. And you can definitely message me there. Um, and, uh, but like I said, any one of a billion different ways you can reach me very easily to reach Michael B. Chadwick. All right. Well, Michael, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, for those listening, I really have known Mike for, you know, about four years now, uh, as a good friend and colleague, uh, and, you know, really, uh, you know, if, if you are looking for, uh, an amazing broker to, uh, either buy, sell or rent, uh, in New York. Um, Michael will definitely be happy to help uh, or for any reason he can't put you in touch with someone who can. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Wishing you a Shonato Ba. We will see you soon. Thank you, brother. Have a sweet year. Thank you. Bye-bye.